Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's head of UK content, TC top cat, Toby Cudworth, who is undoubtedly buzzing by the early irons in the fire section that we'll have on today's podcast, because West Ham, by the looks of it, are going to do some business. Uh, Toby, I'll I'll come to you both in a second, but uh, please subscribe on on all your major podcast platforms. And follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Toby, are you okay? Are you happy with this? Lucas Paqueta, we'll, we'll talk more in detail in a second, but this I one's know, on. Yeah, I don't know if I'm okay, because it's been a bit of a whirlwind 24 hours of usual West Ham transfer chat, where a deal looks like it's close to being done, then it hits the rocks, um, and now we're back full circle, where it looks like an agreement might be in place. Um is he a player that we need? Absolutely. Even though we scored three goals last night in Denmark and looked quite good. But I guess you would against a Danish team who are not particularly good. Who did you play, Toby? Viborg or Viborg. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Danish giants. They're not Bromby, Toby. No, they're not. But uh, how are Bromby doing these days out of curiosity? Does anybody know? I think they're the champions. We're in champs. Remember the good old days of championship manager when you used to actually consider picking them? Anyway, um, Paqueta, yeah, he'd be a really good addition. It's a lot of money is the one thing I would say. 60 million euros is what it looks like West Ham are going to fork out. And that includes bonuses and add-ons. So we're not quite sure what the upfront fee is. But Paqueta is interested in coming. He's agreed a a five-year deal. We understand personal terms are done. But it's whether or not West Ham can get the most out of him. Because I don't think he's going to be an attacking midfielder that does a lot of defensive work. So it's how David Moyes slots him in and also gets the best out of Skamaka, who actually looked quite handy last night uh, and a real goal threat. Uh, I, I was speaking about Danish champions there. I was getting, I just completely forgot that last season happened. Copenhagen are actually the champions of Denmark. Bromby won it the year before in 2021 uh, for the first time since 2002. So uh, yeah. go Bromby. Uh, you'll be back, I'm sure. Uh, West Ham, Advancing past Danish opposition last night, though. To- is, that club, to- is that a club record, TC? Will be a club million, record. 50, yeah, million pa- 50 million pounds, is it? Yep. It will be superseding. I, 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 I can almost do euros and pounds. Mr. Summer, I can almost do that in my head now. They're roughly the calculations. We have so many of these variations, don't we? It's, um, it is just over 50, is it? I think it is. And he will supersede Sebastian Aller, who was 45. So uh, hopefully this, he has, one, this transfer goes a bit better than that one. I was going to say, hopefully this one works out and he doesn't leave in 18 months for half the price, which is I, normally I've a just, I've special. Just, I've just brought it up. Your top, can we read out your top six transfers of all time? No. It is not, an, it is not a good list. Haller, 45. Philippe Anderson, 34. Skamaka, 32. Zuma, 31. Aguerd, 31. And Vlasic, 27. Yeah. Three years didn't really work out. <laughs> I have full faith that Skamaka is going to work out. Watched him for a little bit yesterday. He's got the movement and the the feeling of somebody who knows how to score goals. He could um, be the Raspadori to for Skamaka, couldn't he? Which he had at Sassuolo. Yeah. that is. Yeah. So fingers Graham, crossed. Uh, Graham, were you? Did you get more sleep last night than I'm guessing West Ham's officials thrashing out this transfer did? Are you okay? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's been a tiring week, I must admit. There's been a lot of late ones this week. Um, but then again, um, I shouldn't get up so early. But yeah, it's it's 
hey, it's what gets us going. I like I like being busy. We're not sat here struggling for stuff, are we? It's constant. It's this window really has. I don't think it's a one-off. I think this is setting the standard for what we've got coming with players out of contracts constant, constantly. And hey, we've got the Jude Bellingham saga to look forward to next summer, which is already on my list. Um, yeah, no, no, like, it was interesting. I, I sent out the message this morning saying, presume nothing's happened. Oh, yes, it has. After two hours of sleep, they got the um, Paquetta deal done. Because as of 10 o'clock last night, wasn't it, TC? We were hearing the deal. At, at, the, at that moment in time, it was off. But yeah. 12 hours is a long time in football, as we've just seen. This is uh, not even the busiest part of the transfer window yet. We're probably just going into it in the next week or so. Next Thursday is transfer deadline day, September the 1st. Uh, we'll be back with another show before then and another show probably after the window is closed. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but obviously we're busy at the moment. Do you know the really annoying thing is, though, Scott? We've got midweek Premier League games next week. So if it's not going to be busy enough with transfers, which we always know is hectic in the final week, yeah, we've got fixtures this weekend and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Man United are playing on deadline day. God damn, the football, the actual football getting in the way of transfers the most how, important how thing dare it. in At least the world. AFL, it's one of the few midweeks AFL done. It's the Papa John's Trophy coming to play this week. So there's a bit of respite in terms of AFL, which is a godsend, really. Anyway, yeah, this is Talking Transfers, a new weekly show. I call it new. I've got to take that out of the notes. Uh, we'll dig into the latest on the futures of some of the biggest names in world football. And today we'll be talking more Lucas Paqueta. We'll, we'll start there in a second. We'll talk Liverpool and the, the fans' clamour to sign a midfielder uh we'll see if there's anything actually in that we'll talk chelsea who are going to be probably one of the busiest teams before the window closes anthony gordon wesley fafana a new potential target as well as they look for a more advanced player we'll talk about how many arrivals they'll actually end up working with that they want to offload a, a bunch of players as well we'll talk everton who are closing in on a couple of transfers themselves we'll do some man united obviously, because uh, they'll be quite busy too before the end of the window. We'll talk Newcastle and a bit of Bernardo Silva at the end. And if anything pops up in between, we will uh, we'll go there too. But Toby, so we've done some Lucas Paqueta at the start, but just please summarise for us what the hell's going on here. Well, West Ham have wanted midfield reinforcements for weeks and they've been looking at Hans Vanneken and still are from Club Bruges. But the Paqueta deal seemingly came out of nowhere and it was driven largely by his agents being in England, looking to offer him around. Um, Arsenal and Newcastle were the two teams that I think we've seen linked throughout the summer, particularly Newcastle. And the West Ham offer just seemingly came out of nowhere earlier in the week. And West Ham's first bid of €40 million Euros was knocked back by Leon. That was actually the price that intermediaries had suggested West Ham needed to pay. So they thought they had a good chance of getting the deal done for that. And we were a bit surprised when Leon came back to them and said, no, no deal. We want more. Um, it then looked like 50 million euros plus add-ons might be what West Ham needed to get it done. But as Graham alluded to last night, it seemed there'd been a breakdown in communication. Leon wanting more money. We weren't completely sure whether or not Paqueta was sold on the move. But as Graham said, things changed overnight. West Ham held talks. For most of the evening, and we understand that they only slept for a couple of hours, um, but a deal now around the 60 million euro mark is not signed and it's not completely agreed, but it's near. And as we Paqueta, record, you should say, as we, as record. we record, yeah. yeah. And Paqueta has 
agreed personal terms and it looks like it will be a five-year deal for him at London Stadium. So exciting times for West Ham fans who have been wanting one of these ambitious transfer signings to come off because we've seen Rafinha, Calvin Phillips, other big money bids that never really went anywhere. Even Amadou Onana earlier in the summer ended up going to Everton. So this will bring happiness to the fan base who obviously want to see a bit of ambition from the club. And I think it's a sign of maybe what's to come for West Ham because this money is not like Sullivan and Gold to invest so much in one transfer window. But let's not forget Daniel Kretinsky is now involved. West Ham's potential new owner in the future. And they've spent a lot of money. I would imagine West Ham are in the top, at least the top five Premier League clubs in terms of spending this summer um, behind Nottingham Forest, who I think are second in, in world second. football. Is that in world football? In in Europe. So, yeah, world football. Yeah. yeah. That, did you hear the stats that Forest's um, transfer business is more than the Eredivisie must be incomings combined? That's pretty Eredivisie bad. incomings, including I Ajax. <laughs> It said something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, I can't remember the exact thing. It was something to do with the, it was, was the whole of the Eredivisie combat. Whether that's including Ajax, I don't know. I heard it on the radio in passing. I thought, wow, that just sums up the... Uh, they would do a tiny bit of thing of how dominant English football was. Um, but hey, long may it continue. Long may it continue indeed. Did did, uh, did you see the other day a tweet from... I think it was Simon Lloyd, Toby. Paquetta Rice. I quite enjoyed that one. I did. Uh, with just a, a packet of rice as the yeah, edge. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, so how's this midfield going to look then? I don't know. I think that's the, the beauty of this transfer is that I don't actually see how he fits into West Ham's current system as is. They usually play 4-2-3-1, but the third player alongside Rice and, rice and Sochek has been Pablo Fornals, who's an incredibly hard worker. I don't think that's something you necessarily associate with Paqueta. And our colleagues in France have told us he's either brilliant or can be completely anonymous. Um, The latter is what we saw in the Europa League, which I'm referencing for the 25th time. But he was. God, Toby, get over it. It was last year. Wouldn't he just just slot in the finals role then, TC? Because you're you're clearly lacking in that last third, aren't you, in terms of unlocking defences? Yeah, I think it might actually. It could be a a combination of Fornals. Two drops out of the team. It could be Ben Rama because Fornals works hard on the left-hand side as well. They've got Max Cornet. It could be that Paqueta goes into that central role. And then Fornals played at wing-back last night played 3-4-3 and Fornells was at left wing back and it's a role you think why is he playing there but it's because he runs up and down um and don't think Connie Con- might make that his position his own at some possibly point possibly yeah I th- the nice thing now is that David em- Emerson and Connie I-, I like the sound of Emerson and Connie down that left for TC I do as well it's that would be perfect for me in terms of if Skamaka was playing as the centre forward Cross mm-hmm. is going into the box he is so big, he's six foot five. Um, it would still suit, it'd suit Antonio as well, though, wouldn't it? He's not, he's not bad in here, yeah. But at the very least, we won't be going into West Ham games thinking we can name the starting 11 or we can name 10 of the 11 players because last season that's where West Ham were and it worked. But the first three games of this season have shown that other clubs have evolved, West Ham have brought signing is in, but they haven't actually changed things fundamentally. And Pocretta's arrival will allow that flexibility. Do you, do you think thinking, these... when, when are we going to score a goal, Scott? That's what they're going yeah, to the, the, oh, Are we going was... to score a goal today, having scored none so far? I, I was going to ask this, Toby. Do you think West Ham's business will mean they avoid relegation, given their bottom of the Premier League? Yes, I do. I think the squad is far too good. 
to even be in a relegation battle, let alone consider going down. And look, these <laughs> players wouldn't come to West Ham unless they thought there was something in it other than money. The money on offer is obviously good, but sixth and seventh over the last two seasons in terms of finishes, the players they've signed this summer are good. Six out of the seven are internationals. I think they've got 111 international caps between them. It's just a case of now gelling them together. But yeah, You, need, your, that... you need your £120 million pound midfielder to step up. I've been reading a lot of the West Ham stuff where they think they think obviously replacing Subcheck might be the the solution to all the problems. But I say you, you you've you've got one world class player there. He needs to start performing like it. He yeah, he's had a slow start. I don't think anybody can argue against that. But he was he's been brilliant for two years. I think he ran the show yeah. for West Ham in virtually every game. Every player has a dip. It just so happens that Declan Rice's dip has coincided. They both happened at the same time. With, yeah, <laughs> yeah two check as well. Yeah, absolutely. And when that happens, when the spine of your team isn't functioning, you lose games and you lose the impetus to actually score goals. Um, this Sunday will be interesting. It's Aston Villa who have got a worse points per game record in 2022 than West Ham. So um, probably be a think, nil-nil draw. But <laughs> do we think Steven Gerrard is looking at his old club and thinking, ah? Oh. Mm. I, I, is he look? Is he looking at his old club and thinking? And there's a couple of players there who we still got six days left. I'd be amazed if he's not looking at that Rangers team and thinking Glenn Kamara, Ryan Kent still wouldn't surprise me. I think he's also looking at Liverpool and thinking, hmm, I'm managing my way out of that job in a few years unless I start doing. I think I'd, I'd one thing. I think I don't think he's looking at his former team thinking the same thing about um, Alfredo Morales. By the way. <laughs> Uh, right, so we've gone, we've started the show, irons in the fire with one struggling uh, team and their midfield. Let's move to another because Liverpool, uh, their fans are absolutely devastated that they have eight or nine midfielders. Four of them are permanently injured. Three of them who are playing are out of form. Four of them who are playing are out of form. There's a 37-year-old James Milner who started Premier League games here and there and is now shouting at Virgil van Dijk and Jordan Henderson. There's a there's a big desire in Liverpool in the Liverpool fan base for a new midfielder uh, before the transfer window closes. Some have made it unlikely. Some think it'll happen. Graham, what's the what's the latest there? Yeah, we understand that Liverpool are looking around the market to see what's there. The a few weeks ago. Because um, let's not forget, they did try and sign Trumani very early in the window. It seems like a lifetime ago, that doesn't it? When um, that deal um, was done, um, and you know, they're looking around, seeing what's available. Is there anything in there that can come in? You know, they they don't do these temporary signings, as we've seen. They said that with Van Dyke. I think Jamie Carragher said that, and he was right. They like to plan, like to have the players available and there will be in the June Bellingham race as we've said before they're going to be but there's no guarantee to get him no guarantee at all so they are looking around seeing what's there clearly Ruben Neves a player they've looked at before isn't in their wheelhouse you know otherwise they would have done that by now he's been available all summer the one name that's been mentioned to me as a possibility and one they've looked at in the past is Comrade Lima an old United target. His deal to Bayern Munich hasn't gone through yet. Bayern is still making bids to get him. It's stalled. Um, there's not much in it, but Leipzig is standing firm on their valuation. Only a year left on his contract. A very good midfielder. And so he'd be the one who I think is a possibility and can be done 
it's in Liverpool's price bracket as well. You know, we're talking thirty million pound, a bit less. So he, he would appear to be a Liverpool type signing, one who can improve. So yeah, I think he's a possibility, but a distant possibility because Liverpool are quite happy with the fact that they've looked at the market. Don't think that the the quality is there for them in terms of who they can get, and, and that's where we are as of today. But yeah, they can't. It's a tough one, isn't it, Scott? If they if they struggle again this weekend. It's hard to imagine them not dipping in the market. They're not going to struggle against Bournemouth, surely. I think it's more the performance, isn't it? Because, and I would, I would, you know, Jurgen Klopp obviously knows more about football than me, but his insistence of playing James Milner constantly when when he's got Curtis Jones sat on the bench. I know Curtis Is Jones, Curtis might, Jones might, around or is he injured? He might, yeah, he, he's not fully fit at the moment, which I think I'll let them off in that regard. But he has been fit at certain points this season. Naby Keita is a genuine injury, by the way. Obviously, there was this thing about his contract, him not being happy and not certain games. And it was very convenient how he was injured and not on the bench for now. But it is a genuine injury and actually might ruin him out for quite a few weeks. So that's yet another blow um, and maybe another reason to dip in there. But... Yeah, but even even Fabinho not starting him at United, it's a strange one. If you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to play, and I think that cost him. And um, yeah, it, it's a. I think Klopp is one of these. It reminds me a bit of Wengerish, where he'll be a bit stubborn. I think he'll try and get through without another name. We'll see how it goes because uh, Liverpool are well stocked for midfielders. I think it's just the problem is that they do have a lot of them. Uh, Oxley Chamberlain, for example, mm. almost always injured. Uh, and the starting the in that as well. The starting three are all over thirty, aren't they? Which is the slight yeah. issue they've got. Tiago as well, yeah. almost. You know, plays fifty odd percent of the games. Very yeah. good when he does play, but not always fit. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, if you you merely connecting Conrad Lima to Liverpool, Graham, uh, I, I wonder how much that'll catch fire. Even if you have said quite unlikely, is it a case of him wanting to go to Bayern or? Yeah, I think you're right, Scott. That's one thing that put United off a little bit, that you know his dream is a young Austrian player, so it's not a surprise that his dream is to go and play for Bayern Munich um, and Leipzig. He's a really good player as well, like this boy. But yeah, that is true, Scott. It, um, his dream has to be to play for, for Bayern. But then again, if United or Liverpool came in for him, does he reject that? Possibly. Because I suspect, even though Bayern are meeting this deal... There's an agreement there for him to join him for on a free transfer in next summer or even in January. So you do suspect that there's something that a deal already agreed in the background for him to go to Bayern. It's just a matter of when. Is it this window? Is it next summer? Yes. Let's move on to Chelsea, who will be one of the busiest teams uh, before the transfer deadline. Aubameyang, should we start with him? It looks like, Graham, that this one is nearly done. You can read about that on 90min.com. Uh, I'm not sure when we put it out, Graham, but yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, midday yesterday, I think. Yeah, close to agreeing the deal. Yeah, yeah um, this one's ongoing. We've seen this Barcelona um, still need the money. You know, they're still Depay, um, as we've seen, hasn't got his, they haven't agreed to his free transfer, which has seen the Juventus move collapse for the moment, and they've gone for Milik. Depay still wanting to get out on a free transfer, which Barcelona aren't too keen on. And yeah, it's just between the clubs at the moment. We've seen the previous offer with Alonso was rejected because Barcelona want the cash. But yeah, we understand that um, this one is close. Um, it's whether Chelsea will pay over 20 million euros for him 
obviously Barcelona try, try to eke every little bit of euro out with every deal they can, which is what's delaying this at the moment. They just want every little bit of money they can get hold of. But the personal terms are done. The player's willing to come back to London. So this one, yeah, this one very much is a matter of when rather than if. Good move, Toby. I think so. Yeah. Chelsea needs somebody who is proven, I think. They need goals. Aubameyang has got a great track record at Arsenal, right? He's 33 now, but it's a much better deal than the one we're about to move on to, put it that way. Oh, what a lovely tie-in. Are you talking <laughs> about Anthony Gordon or Wesley Fofana there? Because uh, from what we understand, and I'll, I'll quote Graham here, Gordon and Fofana's heads are at Chelsea, in quote marks. Uh, now, this morning... Friday morning, Frank Lampard has denied that any bid has come from Chelsea in his pre-match press conference. Uh, and Leicester play Chelsea on Saturday, I believe it is. And Wesley Fofana, I don't think will feature in that. But there's three players I want to talk about here with Chelsea. Gordon Fofana and Arsene Zakarian from Dynamo Moscow. Where should we start first? Should we, should we start with Gordon? What's the, what's the latest there, Graham, from, from your end? Yeah, as you said, both very similar. Both players desperate to make the move. As I said, both players, I've been told that both their heads have been turned to such an extent that they don't really want to play, play for their current clubs anymore. And again, I do think both these are going to happen. Frank Lampard's obviously said the £60 million bid hasn't gone in. Sources are telling me and quite a lot of other people that isn't really the case, but it's it's the way the deal's made up. It's all very, I think where Frank's coming from is it's all very well saying 60 million, but if it's made up in uh, two 20 million pound payments and then another lot of add ons and stuff, it, it's it's not a very pretty 60 million, if you know what I mean. It's a, there's a lot of ways to get to it, and I think that's what they're referring to, really. I think 60 is the figure, but they just want a bit more in guaranteed money, more upfront, so they can go and spend it. As we'll talk about, Everton are trying to do business as we speak, and they need the money to get these deals done themselves. So I fully expect both deals to be done. Um, it's just a matter of when, no, this for final one, we understand the fourth bid is due in just below 80 million. Will that be enough? Chelsea think it will be. I'm not so sure. I think Leicester do have a good track record of getting. I'd mainly think of Harry Maguire Mm. and how long that took Man United to do. You know. Yeah, exactly. And if you get, you can see from Leicester's point of view, they've seen both players. If Maguire is 85, then Fafan is 80 all day long, isn't he? And I think that's a fair price. And and you know this isn't. It's a strange one where obviously they're taking a lot of stick from fans over Gordon, um, in terms of his fee. Um. But I'm, yeah, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's, do, do you clubs... see where they play him, Graham? Gordon? Yeah, mm. I, I do, because, you know, they want they want Pulisic out. Hudson-Odoi is completing. I'm not sure that's been announced yet. Is Bayer Leverkusen deal? I don't deal. think so. Zayech, obviously, will come on to. He's getting it. He's been linked to back to, to Ajax, etc. So, I can see him playing on the right, right or left from wide. From wide. And especially if, if those other players, as we mentioned out there, um, I think there's room for him. What about then uh, Dynamo Moscow's uh, Arsene Zakarian? You you really rate him, don't you, Graham? What what are Chelsea thinking there? Well, it's an interesting one, and and I think the only reason doing this is because we haven't seen. I was speaking to an agent actually about this the other day. In fact, that we haven't seen many deals from um, Ukraine. In Russia, there's a lot of people anticipated where you can there's leeway for players to be sold from Russia 
um, indeed from Ukraine, there's ways of getting them out on subsidies or temporary contracts, etc. But clubs have stayed, they really have stayed clear of that, of that area this summer, um, not wanting to get embroiled. But Zakarin, he's, he's a special player. I spoke to one scout about him a few months ago. And he's one of the best. He was described to me as one of the best young players in Europe. 19, full Russian international. Um, yeah, and Chelsea, from previous owner Abramovich, they're always keeping an eye on him. Um, I think it's probably surprised a few people that they're doing this now, but there is a release clause in there for less than 16 million. So, you know, if it's a chance to bolster these wide roles, it, tell, it says to me that there's a good chance that Zayac and Pulisic might, might leave before the end of the window. Um, question on Pulisic then. Obviously, we know where uh, ZH is likely to go, even that, even though that's being held up at the moment. Mm. Pulisic, who's, who's kind of in the running for him? I've seen him linked with a number of teams: Man United, Newcastle. He's on, yeah, he's on huge wages. I, was, um, I think our American colleague Chris Smith informed me that he's on over three hundred thousand pound a week which doesn't surprise you because remember less when he came in he was the most expensive North American signing he Pulisic do you feel sorry for Chelsea in some ways because if you look go back two years Pulisic and Hudson Adoy they envisaged these two lads being the cream of Europe being the the best wingers around anywhere in two years back and you could see where they were coming from you could imagine it and then two years down the line they're both struggling to get in the match their squad it's unbelievable. It, it, it really is. Do you blame the coaches? Possibly. But the players, I think, have to hold the uh, most of the blame. And yeah, Newcastle like him a lot. Um, it's just whether Chelsea um, allow him to move on, on loan. I think Todd Burley would rather loan out Pulisic in case there's something still there. So yeah, I wouldn't rule out Newcastle for a loan deal here. Um, but there's quite a few in Europe who like him. You know, Juventus still want a winger. Um, he's on their list, AC Milan. So I think Pulisic is one, as it's a loan deal, could happen fairly late, but quickly. Yeah, we're getting into the late stages of de- of uh, the transfer window. Obviously, things can turn around quite quickly. Things can change quite quickly. We're expecting a lot of arrivals at Chelsea uh, before the end of the window, Toby. A lot of departures as well. Yeah. How do you make? How do you rate their chances for the season ahead? Because it seems like a bit of a mess. To me. Yeah, well, pre-season I put Chelsea sixth when I did my predictions for the final table, just based on the transfer business they'd done at that time, and they have strengthened in defence now, so I think they look more secure there on paper. But they were crucified just by Leeds. three to Leeds. To Absolutely, be fair. yeah. So they were crucified by Leeds the previous week. They were really good against Spurs. Chelsea are one of those teams where you. Don't know what kind of performance you're going to get. Um, I guess that kind of sums up Pulisic's career at Chelsea, really. Really, really good at the beginning. Injured. And then there's always been hope that he would deliver, but he he hasn't. And that's why he might be on his way out. Um, I don't know. Tuchel's a very good manager. And he's somebody who doesn't accept a drop in standards. We've seen that. He's happy to publicly call his players out for underperforming. I've said all along that I don't think Anthony Gordon is necessarily the answer. Um, I think that's a crazy amount of money for what he's achieved in his career so far. I just think Chelsea may be looking around and thinking this is the best option we've got. But that's a a lot of money to spend on a best option at that one time. And I think I said previously, if they waited 12, 18 months, I think more players would be available uh, to move for in that position. But... 
it's the lure of the Champions League, isn't it? You can't afford to miss out on the top four. So maybe their transfer business is orientated around the fact that they know how strong Spurs are, how strong Arsenal are looking. Liverpool will bounce back from this slow start. City are obviously guaranteed. And United are a bit of an unknown quantity under Ten Hag. They may get it. They may not. It depends how they... Which United are you referring to? Which United are you referring to, Toby? I'm still referring to Manchester. As good as Newcastle have been, I don't see them keeping up a top four charge. But they will be in the top eight. Absolutely. Mm. I think they look very, very organised. But Chelsea, yes, it's strange, isn't it? When they play us, when they play West Ham, they look like a brilliant team all the time. It's very, very frustrating. And then you'll see them next week and they put in a performance like the one they did against Leeds. So I would anticipate we're going to see a bit of movement to the extent that Conor Gallagher, Graham, we've spoken about, he's not available right now. But could that could change as of next week. Lots of clubs want to take him on loan. And I, think I, th- I, th- I think he's only going to... Um... I think Crystal Palace are very confident if he does leave on loan that he'll be returning to Selhurst Park. And I think with the World Cup on the horizon, that makes sense. But yeah, um, he is one that could come up in the last uh, in the last seven days for sure. We talked to Anthony Gordon earlier. We just talked about which United might finish higher. We'll talk Newcastle United and Manchester United in a little bit. But uh, I do want to revert back to Everton because obviously... Anthony Gordon's head is at Chelsea. Uh, It's just a matter of, it seems like a matter of time before they manage to pull this one off. So how are Everton planning to spend their money, Graham? Yeah, they're already in the market. We're told two or three strikers for Frank, which is is understandable. You know, Richarlison's already gone. Calvert-Lewin's injured. So they do need reinforcements up front. And they're in talks with two at the minute. Um, Two interesting players who... You know, I'm not. I'm not being nasty, but they do seem very Everton as it stands. Um, Neil Morpe, um, they've jumped on this deal. Um, the Brighton striker, Fulham, still trying to get him as well, but it's a battle between those two now. Um, we believe he's had his medical uh, with Everton, but still, medicals don't mean much nowadays. They can still go either way. But Everton seem confident in him, and Everton, Everton have also jumped to the front of the queue for Ben Bereton Diaz, the um, the Blackburn's Chile star. We know there's been a lot of interest from abroad, Seville. I'd like to take him on a Bosman next summer, but the player really wants to go. And Everton have stepped in now. We understand um, a general fee of £17 million, um, with add-ons taking it over to 20 He's been accepted by Blackburn. Still a lot of work to do on this one, but Everton are in talks. So, um, Berent Diaz and Morpay. Yeah, very... Not really. Not, I think Morpay, Morpay will deliver goals. I think Berent and Diaz will. I think the... They're going the sensible bracket. <laughs> yeah, they're going the sensible bracket to me. I think they need these. They do need these signs. Diaz, they take, he, he had a wonderful season last season for Blackburn. Twenty-two goals. It's only because Mitrovic did so well that I think he overshadowed him slightly. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good signing. I do. I think both these are good signs, considering where Everton are in the table. Um, they're in a relegation battle. There's no getting away from it. So I think they need numbers now. It's not just all about quality for Frank. He needs his squad. Um, to be in a battle for him. So I think these two are probably just about, yeah, right signings for me. I, th- I think these two are better than some of maybe the f- foreign guys have been linked to who are possibly better, but more risky. How do you feel about Everton's chances this year, Toby? 
even with even, even with the goal scoring machines that are Ben Brereton Diaz <laughs> and Neil Morpé. Well, I agree with Graham that I think Brereton Diaz in particular is a very good signing. Um, not particularly expensive. He's still young. Was a standout in the championship. Has done very well. It's amazing how young he is. He's been around for so long, isn't he? He's twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like he's thirty three. The amount of time he's been around. Yeah, but I think he, as Graham says, these are smart signings. They're reflective of where Everton are right now. And you say Neil Mope, and it's very uninspiring from a club who might be ambitious for for pushing into the top ten. But Everton know or have seemingly accepted that they need. They just need bodies to help them escape a relegation dogfight. And I think Frank Lampard would probably take a finish of 14th, 15th all day long with the squad that he's got at his disposal. And those two signings, I think they need a couple more, to be honest, um, to shore things up. But they're going to struggle. They just are. They haven't got the firepower. And when Salomon Rondon's coming off the bench and you're oh, looking you better, just beat me to it. I think it, I, I think I was one of the only ones as well. Surprisingly, I think it was only two or three of us who put Everton now bottom three in the. Graham, I really tried. I really tried. I tried to find a way. It's just like I saw Fulham and Bournemouth, and I think I ah went yes, for I remember you. I went for uh, Southampton. Yeah, you meet you metro haters, which was many in the nightmare office, by the way, listeners. A lot of metro haters. It's, it's not um, hate. I love I love him. I actually think he's brilliant. <laughs> uh, shout out to Harry as well, producer Harry on this show, who is a, a lookalike slash twin. I, I hope you're listening here. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's move on, shall we? I knew that was coming. Harry says. <laughs> There we go. Uh, let's talk Man United because a lot of business potentially to go on here. We all know and we've reported uh, this week on nightmen.com of the interest and ongoing interest in Anthony from Ajax has been a long-term target for Eric Ten Hag since he joined the club. Highly rated, has uh, really done his reputation absolutely no harm during his time with Ajax. He's, uh, he's looking for a step to move on. And it seems like United, he feels, will be it. Ajax, well, the only problem is Ajax are asking for a hell of a lot of money. Uh, Graham, personal terms agreed here. He's back in at Ajax, though, after going on, uh, quotation marks, strike the other day, isn't he? Yeah, um, we've done a piece today, should be out um, now, or imminent, depending on when you're listening to it. Um Yeah, he's been subject to a few fines. £50,000 a day, we're hearing. Or 50,000 euros, sorry. But either way, no one likes to be fine that much. He's doing all he can to push us through. As we understand it, talks are still going on. United are preparing this um, Ajax record. Um, the listed, latest I had was 97 million euros. This is going to be the likely figure that they come in with. And that will be um, just over 80 million pounds. Is that something? My euro calculation brain is gone again. But yeah, that will break the 78 that paid for De Jong. But yeah, um, United are, I say, confident. You know, I'm, I, I wouldn't be quite nodding like Richard Arnold was yesterday when someone asked him on Twitter whether Anthony was coming. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is looking. It's been the kiss of death spot. on some of the signings so far, isn't it? He has, yeah. Just, just don't say anything, yeah. It's like when, <laughs> then when reporters shout at the Prime Minister outside Downing Street, just don't respond. You don't see the Prime Minister walking, not, nodding, and, and stuff. Which Arnold needs, he wants to be liked, and um, he will be very liked, I think, because I think this will get done. And I, I say, I love Anthony. I think he's great. I think the ceiling on this player, he's 
you know, he's higher than Richarlison, higher than Rafinha. He, he's a potential, he's a potential Ballon d'Or winner. This that's how highly I rate him. I think he's great, and I think United are doing the right thing by paying this money. It's a risk, of course, it's a risk. Every, every single transfer in the world's a risk, but I think this lad has something special. Absolutely, I've uh, I've defended. Yeah, it is a lot of money, but I've uh, I've said on other shows I've been on that United have. Obviously, there's an interest in Cody Gakpo as well, who's a you know a right-footed left winger. United already have about five of them: <laughs> Sancho, Rashford, Ilanga, Garnacho, Martial can all play on the left flank. Anthony is obviously the opposite of that and will offer a lot of balance. And I, I know that he will come in with a big fee on his head if and when it's agreed. We do we are expecting that to get agreed at some point. Uh, I think it's probably the right move and he's probably got the right coach as well to get the most out of him given Ten Hag has managed to bring his game on over the last couple of years as well but other places uh, have suggested Graham that Hakim Ziyech who is Ajax's proposed replacement for Anthony uh, there's been suggestions that that and the the delay on that deal is affecting United's approach for Anthony but that's not the case as we understand no, I, obviously, it has some impact. Where in an ideal world, the, the announced Zayech and Anthony's gone out the window as well. That's an ideal scenario. And I just don't want to pay a full fee for him as it stands. They don't want to pay the £40 million asking price that Chelsea have got on Zayech. They know that Zayech has been offered places on loan. We know that AC Milan almost did it. I think it's just Ajax and Chelsea posturing at the minute. You know, Ideally, yeah, Chelsea want to sell. Ajax can't say to Chelsea, we haven't got any money. We've seen <laughs> there's no club, but I don't think, I don't know if it's certain, no clubs banked more in Europe than Ajax this, this summer. Surely. And that's without Anthony. They'd probably bank more than anyone. But just because they've got the money, that doesn't mean, you know, I think they're saying to Tom Burley, just because we've got the money doesn't mean we're going to spend it like you. And yeah, I think this is, all, I think if, if this is all on the player, if Ajax really wants to go back to Amsterdam, he will. I think he is looking around uh, Milan is still interested. There's rumours, as we said, of Juventus still wanting a wide man. So I think there's a few options out there. Is he is he ready to go back to Amsterdam? I think this is all in the players' hands. I think he will. But let's not forget, I have already signed Concesau and Bergwijn this summer. I, I'm being told by Dutch sources, yeah, they'd love Zayat's back, but just because if I don't get him, it doesn't mean that deals off by any stretch. It, this strikes me as one of those deals, like you say, Graham, posturing right now. Chelsea want a permanent sale. In five days' time or in six days' time when we get to the deadline, suddenly loan deal for Ziyech back to Ajax will be... Because Chelsea need Chelsea going to want to pay the wages of somebody Absolutely who's not going to play for them? Absolutely not. So they will wait until the last possible moment to try and engineer a permanent deal and then have to come to the realisation that, OK, we get Ziyech's wages off, off the books for a season. He goes back to Ajax, plays football, and then we reassess again in 12 months. Um so, you know, and they've signed Broby as well. And so they, they've, they've got a few in there, right? So already, I just think that because the Zayat situation, you know, the wizard, as the fans nicknamed him, he's a real legend there. So a chance to get him. I think it's far too good for them not to ask about, but I don't think it's essential for them. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, obviously many, many links between Manchester United and Dutch players and clubs mm-hmm. uh, this year so far. We'll do the Frankie de Jong section. Again, uh, I don't know whether you want to throw in any Memphis Depay in here as well, Graham. But I, I said this in at the start of July. I could, I could see Man United's 
links to Memphis Depay emerging at some point, mm. especially with the speculation over Ronaldo's future. Now, I don't know how advanced that is. It doesn't seem like it is, but I don't know whether you, there's any interest that you've had on your end in Depay, Graham, but what, what can you tell us about De Jong as well? Yeah, well, Depay, we're just, just saying this, we had a, just had a message actually by um, United sources that they're not denying an interest in Depay. I find it strange that they would consider paying good money for him when Juventus literally almost just signed him on a free transfer. Although, then again, this is the 2022 transfer window, so nothing surprises me at all, especially when it comes to United. Um, I think Depay would be a nice pickup for anyone. You know, I think yeah. I think um, you know he's got a lot to offer. I think I still I'm still told by Italian sources if he gets himself out on a free, then Juventus would still be interested. Hey, on a free transfer, why wouldn't you? But I think if he does get out on a free, there might be a few options in England for him. It probably again comes out where the player wants to go. So yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out for United. Obviously, Gakpo is one is quite way down the line as well as backup. Not backup, that's the wrong word. As a another attacking option, and this all does stem to Ronaldo, Scott, doesn't it? We know we still believe Ronaldo wants out. Um, we're doing a piece on the Sporting link again. Sporting, who've got a very nice draw in the Champions League, very appealing again to Ronaldo. It, it sounds unlikely, doesn't it? Why would someone go there just for a Champions League draw? But Ronaldo and that Sporting team in that group, as you said yesterday in our message, Scott, it's, it's very appealing and I don't doubt it. You know, he scored, um, a hat, he's, he scored four goals against Tottenham last season on his own. <laughs> yeah, and he's building this new mansion in Portugal. Um, we knew we always known he'd like to move back to Portugal at some point. Is it a year or two earlier than we expected? Yes, but yeah, we're doing a piece actually um, that a potential ownership of Sporting could be thrown into this deal, and that is allowed by FIFA and UEFA rules. So look out for that one on ninety min. But yeah, um, busy few days coming for United and on De Jong. Our De Jong section, Scott. We understand. Um, Mr. Dersan, the agent, has been in England and then heading to Barcelona to for further talks over Frankie de Jong. Uh, that deal is still, um, you know, lots of reports. We've always said that the deal is still, still available. United are still looking at it. They are. If And if that comes about... And, and we did actually say a few weeks ago, Scott, on the show, didn't we, that this deal could be last week, last day of the window. So it shouldn't surprise us that it's still not done yet because we did say it could easily go down with that. Um, but we're also saying Pat, it's, it's not. We're not saying it's definitely going to happen. But no, you know, not at all. Of course, we're still waiting for De Jong just to sort the situation out. We Barcelona still don't know, we're, but we know at this point who who would have thought on the twenty sixth of August that Jules Kounde wouldn't be registered? And actually, looking back, we how did we not see that on the twenty sixth of August Barcelona still didn't have their finances sorted out? How did we not see this? <laughs> it's it, it, do you know what I mean look at look if we're looking back now thinking wait a minute we we we, we know how bad they are and so yeah uh De Jong could still happen um I I and I've said I think he will happen this is a, a pure opinion and gut feeling yeah here, yeah I, but, I look at De Jong I think it's because I, I, I sort of want it to happen we put we yeah. put so much into this lad Scott we've we've wrote so much about it we've literally written I'd love to say how many words we've written about De Jong it really is a book yeah we've it, it, it is De Jong and Depay holiday together this year. Mm -hmm. There's a Man United have wanted Frankie De Jong all along. I, I don't, we've said that as unlikely as it may seem, if De Jong becomes available, I mm. can't see that United don't do it. And oh, throw in, no, get Memphis Depay out of his contract. We'll take his wages off you as well. Scratch your back, Barcelona. And we get two players who are best mates. I don't know. Crazy things have happened. 
That's me speculating. Purely. Yeah, I, I, I can see Depay as natural. I think Depay to replace Ronaldo would would not be a disappointing the. Absolutely. The that's what I'm, would, that's would, what I'm would, saying. Yeah. Would, is not quite ideal, but it's getting up there for it because he can play again. Scott, he's another player. He can play down the middle now. You can let Depay, Rashford, Marshall fight for that number nine. So none of them are ideal, but they can all do the job very well. So I think it works out quite well. Toby? You'll have a lot of depth, won't you, up front? That's the important <laughs> thing. Yeah. If you bring in Anthony plus one, you have got a lot of players that can play in multiple positions so that if things are not going to plan, Ten Hag will be able to play about a bit, won't he? Um, what, did you make is... of, what did you make of Anthony Alanga starting, sorry, Scott, against Liverpool? Did that surprise you that he was put in that role? He came off at half-time, which we were told actually was tactical, weren't we? Rather, But I thought he was quite good. It doesn't didn't surprise me at all. I mean, when I when I saw his name on the team sheet, obviously he offers uh, pace and energy, and the ability to you know track back and you know get in behind the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold, which he he gave him a bit of a tough time. But when I saw him miss that chance after about ten minutes mm. and hit the post, I thought yeah, that that's why you don't always start because you're I surprised think there's, there's he hasn't been linked anywhere, there. Scott Alanga. You're surprised that I, I so I was thinking I think. Why not send him to Ajax for a year or two? It'd be perfect place for you him know, to go. You know, th- this is deal. this is a something I'm thinking again. Again, this is me purely spitballing in my head a little bit. But if they manage to pull off a Depay or something mm. like that, that pushes Alanga down the list. Obviously, he he offers different qualities to a, a few of the other players, but he is still in that box of left-footed right winger, and his game time will be probably be quite limited. They'll have two options for every position. And Alanga probably does need first-team football regularly to develop his game. So, I, again, that wouldn't shock me if late in the window and United did sign somebody else that that would be that would be coming up as a possibility. But like we say, uh, that's no, based on nothing but opinion at the moment. Anyway, uh, Ronaldo to Sporting, still possible. George Mendes <coughs> shopping him out everywhere he, can, he possibly can go. I think you might have seen if you've been following... Following the news over the last 24 hours that he's trying to ship him to Napoli, but you know, uh, this one again could probably go quite late. Uh, well, you can look out for a piece on Ronaldo and sporting coming out on nightmen.com. But let's move across to another Man United target and a Newcastle link as well. Eddie Howe has spoken about Martin Dubravka to Man United uh, today and confirmed, I quote, there has been contact with clubs. Uh, I'm reluctant to lose him, but it's a decision that's out of my hands. Martin Dubravka, I used to joke with a, someone in our 90-minute editorial team a few years ago, a Newcastle fan, that he was. Uh, he used to argue that he was one of the best goalkeepers in the league, didn't he, Toby? He did, and our, and our response was he's the 17th best keeper in the league because that's where Newcastle were at the time. Yes, that, that is the case. But a potential alternative to uh, David De Gea, somebody to push uh, De Gea's, who was out of contract in a year, Graham. How is this goalkeeper situation panning out from your end? Yeah, um, I was at the Eddie Howe uh, first game of the season. He was asked, I don't know why it came on. It was in the press conference after the game against Forest. He was asked about Dubravka because he'd chosen, there seemed to be a little bit of a, he'd done well to make out that it was a battle between Pope and Dubravka, which uh, we are, yeah, Pope was going to win it. Um, but he's got four goalkeepers there. Dubravka, interesting, his agent said early in the summer that you know he do, he's not willing to be back up to anyone. I think he was really speaking about Nick Pope, um, where he probably is well, he is going to be back up to De Gea. He's he's not competing against De Gea here. I've I've seen a lot of Dubravka. He's okay. He's he's a lower 
he probably 17th best in the Premier League, probably is right. He's not competing with the here for the starting spot. He really isn't. But he's a very good number two. He'd be an outstanding he'd be an outstanding number two. He's probably too good for Newcastle to be number two. So um I like it as a number two signing. Yeah. I um, I never really believed a lot of these things that Ten Ten Hag was signing someone to replace De Gea. I've always said of all the things wrong at Old Trafford, De Gea, he might be one of them, but he's very much way down the list. It's one for for another summer. So no, I like it, and um, yeah, I think I think it's going to happen. And as Toby, you 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 said in our messaging, didn't you, that it, it rang a bit of memory that uh, United liked Dubravka, and they did go for him in January, if we remember, um, a possibility of a swap deal with Henderson at the time. Dean Henderson out on loan at Nottingham Forest. What if he has a great season <laughs> and then comes back, and then United have this goalkeeper on their hands again? But it's it's one of the I I I am always very wary of goalkeepers at these relegation threatened teams because they just see they see so much action that they're going to make a lot of good saves every week because they're facing 20 30 shots every week the one thing that he will get to do at forest dean henderson this is is practice playing out from the back as well as his shot stopping and De Gea, interestingly or interestingly sorry on monday kicked everything long didn't he and united were so much better for it so that might happen for the duration of this season but if Henderson had a really good season with Forrest and they stay up and he does save a barrage of shots, as you've said there, Graham, and he's also playing well with the ball at his feet, I don't think you can rule out that he could go back it's, to the club and United I, review it. It's going to be a very interesting battle for that third spot on the plane to Katab, which I don't think Henderson will get. I think Nick Pope, from a start he's made, has put himself at a player who Southgate likes anyway. We know Southgate's loyal. I think those three spots are done. So Henderson, he's gone there to get in there, but I think he'll come up short, unfortunately for him, due to the form of the other guys. Newcastle uh, are soon to be, and if you're listening to this after it's been confirmed, uh, then there it is. Alexander Isak. Eddie Howe has said on Friday morning, it's not yet complete, but we hope to get it done. Fingers crossed in time for Wolves. Is that the next game? Yes, I think yes, it is. Yes, it is on... So that, like, yeah, we are Sunday. literally, as we record this, one hour from the registration deadline for the Premier League. So it might have even happened. Uh, I think this he's, one he's, is he's at St. James's getting his pictures taken now, Scott. I think he's he's around the sun-drenched St. James's getting his pictures done. Yeah, another... be interesting to know how many teams have broken their transfer records this summer because this is another team, like West Ham, as Toby's just been talking about, another team who's broken the chance for a record to land Isaac. It's my understanding that um, Dan Ashwood and Eddie Howe took it upon themselves. They made a personal plea to the owners over this one. They said, listen, the current budget is just a bit shy of what we want to do. They knew they could get Isaac done. I was actually on a Newcastle podcast earlier this week where I, I did say that you know Calvert-Lewin and Isaac were the two number nines. We've known all summer. They're the two favourites. I thought they might go back for Calvert-Lewin. But obviously, the Isaac deal has come up. They've got it done at 60 million or 59 million to be exact. And yeah, a terrific signing. Really, really terrific signing for Newcastle. It improves their squad no end. Um, it helps with the Callum Wilson injury problems. That's one of the reasons why they wanted doing for Sunday because Callum Wilson has got a hamstring injury, which is unfortunate for him because he started the season brilliantly. You're, you're picking up of him in the fantasy. Um, draft Scott looked a brilliant decision. Uh, it was the best option from a bad bunch, to be honest, because we, we've had this conversation on this podcast before uh, talking about how good Callum Wilson is and my, mine and Toby's response is, well, he gets injured three, four, week, four match weeks into the season and he's already injured with a hamstring. Yeah. If his muscles weren't made of cheese string, 
mm-hmm. he'd be scoring 15, 20 goals a season. But and he'd, and he'd be, cold, he'd be, he does get injured. He'd be another tour, but he'd be, he'd be on the flight to Qatar. I've no doubt that if he's fit and still playing like this, that Southgate will take Wilson ahead of Tammy Abraham. I've got no doubt about that. He's a player that he likes. But on to Isaac, yeah, getting done. Um, João Pedro, Newcastle, were thinking about still doing this. I think they went back to Watford with a potential loan with an obligation. Don't think Watford were having any of that. So it's one where, you know, it's a player to like, but I think instead now they're looking at a possible winger on loan which is where we mentioned Christian Pulis, each other's. I think they'll try and do a loan deal for a player now. We are surprised they didn't get involved in the Paqueta bidding. But obviously, the fact we've seen it go with £50 million, I think Newcastle knew that was the real price. So that's why we see in the end they didn't, they didn't go for it. Um, but yeah, we expected the winger to come in. But Isaac, yeah, we should get to see him on Sunday and um, as a number nine, we suspect. Um, will, will Eddie Howe start Chris Wood ahead of him? Being, I wouldn't rule it out, but I think all Newcastle fans will be dying to see Alexander Isaac, who I don't know what you guys think. I think he's um, an outstanding capture for Newcastle, and um, it really helps um, that squad. It takes the quality up because, as I've said as well, I think Newcastle have the biggest spread of quality in their squad from their best player to their worst player. I don't think there's a bigger spread in the Premier League than Newcastle United. I, I said this in another show. I was in uh, on. TFP on the 90 Min YouTube channel yesterday that it looks Newcastle have been really smart with the buys that they've made. Kieran Trippier, obviously experienced player. Uh, but then you look at the likes of Sven Botman, really good age. Bruno, really good age. I put Isaac probably in that potential, in the same potential bracket. And if they continue buying players of that kind of profile, in about three years' time, you'll have a squad there of, wow, that's really, that's really good. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I think that's... Oh, definitely. He's really doing a impressive. lot of... Eddie Howe's doing work on these players is, um, you know, it, it makes it our job easier because when, when they are linked to some players who don't fit in Eddie Howe's mould, like a Dan Juma, we know we can cross them off the list straight away because it's not... Eddie Howe has a type of player he likes. He does the background work on them. And, and 100%, well, even, even the Matt Target and Dan Burns and the Nick Pope. Nick Pope's slightly older, but he's probably got another eight years at Newcastle, hasn't he, in terms of goalkeeper range. So, very sensible signings made so far. And, you know, I, I wasn't just put, I didn't put Newcastle sixth in my predictions just to annoy you two. Um, I firmly believe that, yeah, another, if they could go and get a Pulisic now and add this to the squad, and I still think they could do that centre midfielder, but if they could add another winger, um, to bolster that um, attacking ranks. Because I know Sam Maximan, I know I get a lot of Newcastle fans have a go at me, and Almiron, who I think is a good championship player at best. And Sam Maximan played well against City. But you've got to do it against the other teams. They, they couldn't break Forest down. It took a 30-yard shower effort. They couldn't break Brighton down. You have to do it against these other teams if you want to finish higher. So that's why, I'd, for Newcastle's sake, I'd like to see them bring that other winger in as well, which is a possibility. Final section of the show on Bernardo Silva to leave Manchester City. There's been a lot of uh, speculation around him over the course of the summer, but Man City have always remained steadfast in their message that we don't want to sell. Barcelona and Man City played in a friendly in midweek, and Pep, Pep Guardiola said something along the lines of, Bernardo likes Barcelona, we've not received any offer, and any offer coming in now would mean that we have to dip into the market really quickly and that would be difficult. PSG also uh, linked with him tentatively as well, Graham. But on Bernardo Silva, is, is this too late for him to leave City? And why would he leave for PSG and not Barcelona? 
yeah, you know, I think it, he, he wants to go to Barcelona. That's what all this links were about with Barcelona, wasn't it? And I think PSG just being a bit cheeky, I think, from what I'm being told. There is an interest there, but it's been through intermediaries. And and we saw Soriano, didn't we, in midweek ahead of the charity game, which was wonderful attendance. Uh, um, the ex-Barca goalkeeper, sorry, I, don't, I can't remember his name. Um you know, sorry, I came out and said he sort of intimated, didn't he? If Barca maybe had done it at the start of summer, they could have done something because then they could have found a replacement. But it, it was never likely this. No more I levers. No. <laughs> in terms of, but in terms of, pull another lever, get the banana. Oh yeah, money, sorry, sorry. I thought you meant levers as in players leaving. Yeah, levers. La Liga haven't taken too kindly to some of these levers. And as I said, it wouldn't surprise me if Laporta looks at the Ronaldo deal. If he went to Sporting and they offered him part of the club, light bulb moment for Laporta. Oh, I can start offering pits to the club to get these players. Oh, and suddenly oh, Messi a... come back, own some Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Messi and Mbappe. There's twenty percent each. Come to, to Camp Nou. And we're joking at saying now. I, I think in six months we'll see Laporta offering chunks of this club for players. Uh, not, do you know what I mean, he's already sold the soul of the club anyway. So what's left to sell? Toby, what do you make of uh, Bernardo Silva? You see him staying now. I think Barcelona are going to try and do it. Me too. I know Manchester City are going to say no, and I reckon they will stick to saying no. But Barcelona got rid of Umtiti yesterday to Lecce. If Aubameyang goes, if Memphis goes, if De Jong does go. Braithwaite's still can, there. Yeah, if they can find a way to get rid of him. I can just see Barcelona trying to do something that they physically can't do. Um, the, player I like the, 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 the player wants it, doesn't he? What, he clearly yeah, wants that's, it. That's, that's really, the thing. They're encouraged by the fact that Bernardo wants to go there. I really like, by the way, the, the fact that Barcelona are really annoyed with ex-player for not leaving when they've committed to contracts with this player and they just don't oh, actually if you, want to if leave. You have, they prefer to sit on the contract that Barcelona agreed with them. Have a read of the Braithwaite situation. It's it's phenomenal. I have, they, yeah. They, they're, yeah. Clearly, they're clearly going to sack a player for not accepting a free transfer. It, it's it's, hor- it's horrific. But as you say, Tom, I think I think the silver thing is tied with De Jong. If they manage to get De Jong out, if he does leave, then yeah, I can see that last twenty-four hours. I'm saying, right, we haven't got the money, but we've got rid of the, we've got the wages now. We haven't necessarily got the money, but yeah, I agree with you. So we could see it could be a hectic last twenty-four hours if they manage to get De Young out before that point. We'll be back on Tuesday, I believe, or Tuesday or Wednesday. I think we'll be back on Wednesday before the transfer, the day before transfer deadline day, to round up what's happening, and we'll hopefully find some time to record after the deadline as well, but. We don't know when that'll be yet. Uh, we'll try our very best. Obviously, we could see a lot of action now over the next five or six days with a lot of clubs looking to pull off a lot of different transfers and ship out a lot of players to trim their wage bills as well as strengthen for the season ahead. Please subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., and follow all of the lot on Twitter as well. At underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Graham and Toby, thank you very much for today's show. It's always been a fun conversation to have, talking about transfers that will or won't happen. Uh, and we'll be back for a couple more episodes. And we'll still be going after the transfer deadline passes as well, looking ahead to perhaps longer-term plans for some clubs. We might take a little break, but we'll see how we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you very soon.